Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. We are creeping up towards episode 200. Going to be a big old milestone one. But until then, we have one, two, three more episodes to share with you here. And today... It's a good one. Miguel Paluto. You guys may remember that name from the truck series and Xfinity series days with Turner and Red Horse Racing. Well, he's been dipping his toe back into the NASCAR waters in the Xfinity series with Junior Motorsports in the last handful of years. And he's going to do so again this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. So had him on the show to chat about that. The race coming up this weekend. What he's up to going on in Brazil with the Porsche Carrera Cup seven-time champion over there so he knows what he's doing behind the wheel and uh it was great to chat with him wish we had more time a really really interesting guy with an interesting story and a new american citizen as well so congratulations again to miguel on that also we'll chat a bit about michigan chris busher did it to him again boys and girls holy bejesus rfk racing they are on one right now and we'll also preview the indianapolis road course and all the international flair. I am so excited for that race for so many reasons. But before we do any of that, we got to pay homage to the number 96. And we will do so with Papa Siegel. What have you got cooked up for us this week, sir? Thank you, Duve. And welcome one and all to episode 196. Last time around, we sacrificed number 96 to make up for my failure the week before of not discussing Lightning McQueen. Davy's favorite animated race car driver. Ka-chow! We'll try to make up for it this time around. Last week, I dug deep and took a bunch of anti-nausea medicine to recognize Daryl Waltrip, whose early years included a stint in the 95 car with crew chief great Jake Elder as his wrench man. Today, we focus our way-back lens on another man named Elder, no relation to suitcase Jake. Ray Elder was known as the racing farmer, owing to his garage being housed inside a barn in his Carruthers, California spread, and his crew consisting of volunteers from his home base. Despite those humble creds, Elder won an all-time record six Winston West championships in 1969 in the early 70s, was second all-time in wins and polls with 47 each, and was named the series' most popular driver, a record 10 times. His dominance at Riverside in Ontario extended beyond the Winston West series. In 1971 and 72, he shocked the NASCAR Cup Series regulars by winning the 1971 Motor Trend 500 and the 72 Golden State 400, both at Riverside. Elder also ran 31 Cup Series races finishing in the top 10 in more than half and the top five in almost a third. He was an inaugural year inductee into the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame and named one of the Winston West all-time top 10 drivers in 2005. And to top it all off, here's an interesting NASCAR trivia bit. Most people consider NASCAR's modern era to have started in 1971 when Winston began its sponsorship of the Top Dogs and rebranded it as the Winston Cup Series. The first race of 1971 was, you guessed it, the Motor Trend 500 at Riverside. So, who is the driver who won the first race of NASCAR's modern era? That's right, Ray Elder. See if your buddies in the press box get that one right, Duve. Back to you. Thank you, Dad. I did not know that. Um, and I, I guess it makes sense that 1971 is the start of the modern era. For some reason, my mind always goes back to 1959. 
I can't tell you why. It might just be a, a random thing going on in this cranium of mine. Uh, but that makes sense with the Winston sponsorship. And that is a very interesting factoid that Ray Elder, the first ever winner in NASCAR's modern era, because obviously those are the days where we went to Riverside before kicking off the season with the Daytona 500. So very cool piece of trivia there, Dad. I appreciate that. And next time I'm in the press box or the media center, or uh, we Ray Elder comes up on TMD, which, got to be honest, don't know that he will or why he would, uh, I will reveal that factoid. So thank you for that. And thank you, Mom, for the kachow, not kachiga this week. All right, let's start off this episode as we always do, and you know, party people, that is with a good old-fashioned And throw it straight over to our interview with Miguel Paluto. Again, he's driving the 88 for Junior Motorsports this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. But this gal show, you'll understand here in a minute, this gal show uh, has a lot going on. He obviously is still racing overseas, but lives in Mooresville, North Carolina with his wife and his son. He is a very, very accomplished racer, multi-time champion over there internationally and had his fair share of success here stateside as well in terms of the NASCAR truck and Xfinity series. Chatted about a whole lot in this conversation. We sprayed a lot of fields and there was still a lot that left to be sprayed. So we got to have him back on, but I'll get out of the way. Stop rambling and let you hear my chat with Junior Motorsports wheelman Miguel Paluto. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, driver of the 88 Junior Motorsports Chevrolet in the Xfinity series and technological wizard when it comes to Zoom. Miguel Paluto, hello, my friend. I'm glad I can hear you and see you now. Oh, yeah. Good morning, and thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Of course. It. So if my research is correct, uh, and I'm sure my accent will be way off, but can I call you Gaucho? Yes, you can, definitely, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So that means, <laughs> does it mean like a skilled athlete in Brazil? Is that kind of what that means? No, is uh, Gaúcho is is the person who was born in a region in the south um, where Gaúcho actually is, is where the barbecue started. So the Gaúchos are the ones who does the real barbecue, and the, wow. re, the region I, I was born is all Gaúchos, you know. So that, that's why they they call Gaúchos. Yeah. Okay, so it's not Gaúcho like my American stupid pronounced. He has it's... no Gaúcho. Gaúcho. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Got it. Uh, all right. So what, what sets apart Gaucho barbecue from the barbecue that we all know and love here in the States? I'm sure it's vastly different. It's different. Um, we don't do, um, we do spices, but we don't do sauces. So if you go to a steakhouse in Brazil and I have a lot of Americans coming to, to my, my state, uh, and my city, uh, and we do just sea salt. Uh, on the steak and sometimes a little bit of olive oil and that's it so you can taste the real steak mm -hmm. a little different than than here that you know they add a lot of sauces and yeah. you know change the flavor of it that's you how you know it's good though one. when you don't need a yeah. lot of sauce and stuff like that you let the meat speaks for itself perfect that's it that's what we do yeah it's making making me hungry around lunchtime, man. We got to move <laughs> on, or else I'm gonna have to hang up and go get some barbecue. Um, so we're getting geared up for the Indianapolis Road Course this weekend, Miguel. I know this is gonna be your third and final start of the season. Indy is obviously a very famed racetrack, regardless of whether you're on the oval or the road course. What are the feelings for you going to Indy this weekend? Your third and final start of the year. You feeling good, optimistic about it? I am. I am. Uh, last year, uh, it was a really good track for me. I, I was first time there. So, you know, the same drill, 20 minute practice that is not 20, it's 15, you know, 12 minutes, a few laps. And we were straight to qualify. And uh, I made a little mistake in qualify that cost us to be in the top 10. Uh, uh, it was the closest track I got to the top 10. But that, that is always my goal driving. Uh, for GRM, you know, and not be in the car full time to start in the top 10 and then work away from there. So I, I adapt pretty quickly to the racetrack. It, it, it fit my, my driving uh, style. Uh, and that, you know, that mistake took us out. So I have another chance uh, this weekend uh, to, to try to accomplish that goal and start in, uh, in the group of cars that, that we deserve to be in. 
as I mentioned, third start of the year. The last one as it currently stands. You had a pair of 13th place finishes earlier this year at Coda in Chicago. But I can see there's a bit of disdain on your face because those races obviously did not go according to plan in Chicago. You didn't even get halfway. So I feel like there may have been a little bit more on the table that you could have extracted from the car and a better finish may have been on the horizon, it seems. Yeah, definitely. Chicago, um, first of all, NASCAR did an amazing job putting that track together. I love it. Uh, I raced in, in overseas in, uh, in Baku, Azerbaijan, a couple of years ago, the same as uh, track as F1 race. And it was, the standards were, were better, I think. You know? wow. uh, so NASCAR did amazing. Uh, and it suits, again, the racetrack that I like quite a bit. Again, I always had that thing that I need to be conservatively uh, aggressive because we are not in the field. I need to qualify and, and so on. But we had the speed during the race. We came from uh, 17, I think we started, to, to the 11 spot. And we, sh- we pitted a few laps before the stage. And we were the first cut out the road. And we came from 20 to uh, 13 in uh, in three laps. So unfortunately, that race was cut short. Um, it was it was bittersweet to be honest uh, because we had everything going on uh, on, on our way, or we're gonna be in position uh, to restart the race up front and see. You know, from that on, it, it, it's race. You know how how those things play out. It can change quite a bit, but we were in position. Uh, the car in one piece, and we were fast. Uh, balance was great, but um, that's that's the way sometimes it goes, and and I have a, another shot this weekend to try to to make it better. Do you almost feel like you had more races on the schedule in terms of the Xfinity stuff because you had one at Coda, one in Chicago, now Indianapolis? It almost seems like you're just getting in a rhythm when unfortunately there's no more on the schedule. That's kind of bittersweet, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Every, every year I feel the same as as we get going the the schedule spread is pretty tough uh, to be honest you know what i mean you you get four more than four weeks without being in the car and um, in my case i'm traveling overseas and driving different cars you know uh the porsches they they have abs a different feeling uh and then i need to come back and adapt in 20 minutes so every year i feel at the end or towards the last race that I'm, i'm getting comfortable at it and then it's the last one, you know, yeah. but uh, I rather have these three shots than have two, one or none. So, you know, you play, we play with the rules there, there are presented and um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited. And I feel like after Chicago uh, breaks we had and the performance we had, we have everything to perform well at Indy and, and uh, do a great, do a great race for, for us, for Brent and, and for JRM. You mentioned going back and forth between the Porsche Carrera Cup and obviously the Xfinity car. On the surface, they're both race cars, right? And you're racing on road courses. The discipline specifically as it pertains to that is similar and it's the same. But as you know, those cars are vastly different. The competition is vastly different. The sanctioning bodies are vastly different. Can you take us inside the cockpit and and talk to us about the absolute minuscule details that make an Xfinity car go fast versus a Porsche Carrera Cup car. Yeah, I'll try try to be um, super simple on it. So the Porsche Cup uh, GT3 car it's a like a go kart. You drive as a go kart. You know, it's it's down the ground. It, it's kind of like the Cup car today, but with a lot more technology and is smaller. Okay, so a rear a rear uh, engine. Uh, and you have a lot of grip. You can we have ABS on the brakes, so you can brake really deep. You know you can put a lot of pressure on it. In the NASCAR car, I brake with my left left foot. In the Porsche car, I have to brake with my right foot because I cannot put that much pressure on the left uh, foot. So it's a, a sensibility difference that I I need to readapt to the NASCAR car. Um, the Porsche car, if, you know, as soon as I brake, I turn. It turns and it's aggressive in the corner. The NASCAR car, you need to brake super early, slowly downshift, make sure you're not, you know, locking any wheels, no wheel hopping. Then you turn and then you need to wait all the weight transfer to load on your left or right rear. Uh, and then you need to be slowly back to the gas. 
uh, on the Porsche side, I can play with the throttle and make the car turn if I need to. So it's a lot of different things uh, that is completely different drive style. You know what I mean? I go back and forth when I go back to the Porsche Cup after the Chicago race. I had uh, two races there, and it took me uh, a practice to get back to my my braking uh, zones and uh, the pressure that I was having because I still had NASCAR uh, in my mind. So yeah. uh, you drive completely different. Uh, and you need you need to to make sure you don't you don't make uh, any mistakes. So another thing I want to mention is uh, you also need to pump the brakes on the long straightaways in NASCAR. You know you need to make sure you you pump the brakes. I learned last year uh, that my brakes were fading, fading, fading. Oh. I came back to the team and then our guy told me he said you're not pumping the brakes. I said ah, I'm not pumping the brakes. Why do I need to pump the brakes? He said we all pump the brakes all the time. So. <laughs> You know, a few things that uh, that uh, I I keep learning throughout the, those races that I'm not used to do on those GT3 cars. That goes back to the rhythm aspect of things, right, Miguel? It's like once you're just getting in the rhythm of pumping the brakes, then you go back in the Porsche Cup car and you're like, wait, I don't need to do this. I'm, I'm losing time on the straightaways. And you don't need to let the car load and set off the back end of the corner. It's It's tough to go between those two different cars. And I know you're not the only one that does that. Have you been able to lean on anybody, whether it's on the on the Brazilian side of things or the the U.S. here, to to help you make that learning curve a little less steep when you go back and forth? Uh, it's 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 more about the the how you how quick can you adapt? Because I've been in those scenarios quite a few times. You know what I mean? And and the toughest thing I'll, I'll be honest with you is the twenty minute practice. If we had a twenty minute practice. Or, or two 15-minute practice. 15-minute practice, you have a little break and then you go back again, you, you reset your mind. The thing is, it's everything together. You know, we go for a 20-minute practice, you need to make sure you run a quick lap, you're in the pace to qualify the car, and then you, right after you go to qualify. Uh, so you cannot, you cannot reset and, uh, and uh, uh, think about it and see what you can do different. So. I always, the, the biggest pressure for me is practice and qualify. Once I get to the race, I'm not worried about it because we, we do have the pace uh, and we do, we do make gains, big gains during the races and we move forward. It's more about uh, the, the, the first part of that. It's not that uh, uh, I'm not being exposed to, I've, I've been a couple of times, but the timing and the format is so tough that uh, it makes, makes a lot of, uh, puts a lot of pressure in the driver to not make any mistakes and, and perform well. But at the end of the day, I'm driving a GRM car uh, for Brent. You know, I need I need to perform. I need to be where my teammates are running. Uh, so that all together, um, it puts it's the icing on the cake, I'll, I'll call it. Yeah, of course. Uh, or n no icing on the barbecue because it's just salt. That's all we need, salt and olive oil. Correct. I got you. you I got you. You got um, it. You got so it. I think that you still reside here in the States in North Carolina, right? But you're, you're traveling overseas. I don't know how often you can tell me to, to go race overseas in the Porsche Carrera Cup. What's the daily or weekly schedule like for you? I'm sure you're racking up the frequent flyer miles. Oh, yeah. So uh, I've, I've been in Mooresville for 13 years. We moved in 10 to compete in Africa, never moved. Uh, we, we don't plan to move. We love this era. Um, my son was born in U.S. Also, a couple weeks ago, I got my uh, American citizenship. Oh, so no, congratulations. Proud, yeah, thank you. Proud to be American citizen now. And um, my uh, travel schedule is around two and a half. Every two and a half weeks, I travel overseas. So the overseas races goes uh, Brazil, Argentina, Portugal. We raced Le Mans this year. And we may add a few more races in Europe as Brent is expanding to Europe. So the thing is, we race in NASCAR, we travel Friday morning, come back Saturday night. Mm -hmm. The overseas races, I need to leave Monday night, and I'll come back the following Monday night. So it's seven days to, for, for just to prepare for the weekend. It's one day travel, one day you get there, you need to rest. The next day you, you go to the track, you, the following day you have practice. So everything is more is a few more days so as you said my uh, my travel miles are are pretty good and uh you know you get other side of things that 
you spend 70 nights uh, per year uh, in, in hotels um, during the year. And then you, you start getting used to the people who work at the hotel called by name. So you, you kind of make a, a, a different uh, a different family, a, a home away from home, I'll call it, uh, traveling so much uh, so far away, you know. I'm sure you probably make friends with the gate agents at the airports and TSA agents. They probably know you by name, too. They're like, oh, where are we racing this weekend? Argentina? Oh, cool. I'll tune in. <laughs> Correct. Yes, I did. And a funny story is I, uh, the manager for the, the Haas team, uh, I forgot his name, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Are you uh, talking about the F1 uh, team? Yeah. Gunther Steiner? Uh, yes, Steiner. Yeah. So we flew we flew to Sao Paulo, same flight, same day, uh, two years ago, two to three years ago. And then we look at each other. He didn't know me. You know, I knew him. He didn't know me. And then we got the same connection through Miami. And then arrived in Sao Paulo, saw each other, okay? Coming back, we came on the same flight back because we raced the race prior to the F1 race right, right. in November. So he got in, in Miami, arrived, he said, you're racing uh, in the Porsche Cup. I said, yes, I was. Did you win? Yes. I, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so uh, it, it's pretty cool, those things, you know what I mean, that, that you see a lot of people from racing and, and uh, those things so far away. You know, we're going overseas and uh, you discover and you learn a lot of different things that yeah, I'm sure. So obviously you get your you get your traveling in for sure. And Brazil, obviously where you're from, you do go there to race a little bit. And the racing culture there, I'm you probably know better than anybody else. It's still really rich. Obviously, F1 still races. They have their Grand Prix in Sao Paulo every single year. And I I love whenever F1 goes out there. They adopt Lewis Hamilton as one of their own. I think he's an honorary Brazilian citizen now. Um, yes. It's just a really rich racing culture in brazil has it always been like that for you and i know that Ayrton senna have had a thing or two to do with it when you were probably growing up but it seems like it hasn't slowed down yeah. since then right behind you i was gonna ask about it yeah 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 so uh senna it was uh you know it was where everything changes in brazil you know the, the the country is going to a very tough situation economy economically and then senna brought it back the you know the passion to be a brazilian and your your flag and we have a lot to learn with the U.S. Living here now, you know, I I, uh, I applaud how how we we uh, honor the flag and 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 uh, you know are proud to to be to be part of this country. And Brazil came a long way, and then Senna brought that back, that passion, you know, to Brazilian to show your flag. So this is a replica from Senna's helmet. Uh, my current helmet painter is uh, the one that paints Senna's helmet. Wow. Uh, so uh, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, 800 uh, unit. Uh, they they made replicas. This is one of them. And Senna is a, is a, I'm a big fan of Senna. So uh, throughout the years uh, after Senna, we had a few Brazilians in F1. They still watching. And I always say like in 2010, uh, they start broadcasting NASCAR in Brazil. Uh, yeah, different channels, the speed channel and, and others. Uh, so now we have a huge uh, NASCAR fan base in Brazil. You know, they, they watch truck series, they watch the Xfinity, they watch Cup. Uh, and uh, so we we not only seeing those fans, those core fans who, who love Brazilian racing, but also uh, F1 and now NASCAR is becoming internationally as well. Not to mention the Brazil Sprint Race Series. I don't know what the official name of it is, but that obviously is something new for this year. And I remember when that got announced, some people were hearing rumors about international expansion and an international series. And, well, there's already one in Canada, Mexico, and Europe. Where are they going to go? Brazil, obviously, having a race, a rich racing culture doesn't come as a, a big surprise. But you, Nelson P.K. Jr., the two that come to mind for me that have – extensive stock car experience in the trucks and Xfinity series from Brazil. What was your reaction when you saw that news and you, you found out that there was going to be a bigger NASCAR presence in your homeland? No, I like it. I think it, it's great. You know, the, 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 I'm right now I, I go to the Porsche races and during the, the fans, uh, uh, Pete's visitation that we have before the races, I have a lot of people coming because I'm a NASCAR driver. You know, I've been driving NASCAR, let's say, uh, let's put that way. You know, oh, 
wow, a big fan of NASCAR. The cool with you racing there, the cool you representing us there. So having a series also running in Brazil, it, it, it brings more attention to it. Uh, and I think it, it's a game for, for both part, parts and I hope parties and I hope uh, we can, uh, we, they can still grow and we have more races. And also I hope at some point NASCAR will, will race in different countries. I remember we've done this a couple of years ago. It was, it, I don't know if it was good or bad, but I wasn't part of the sport uh, back then, but uh, I heard that NASCAR could go back to international races. And I think this brings a lot of uh, fan base attention and, and media attention as well to, to the series. Yeah, no doubt. I, I completely agree. So like you mentioned, some people may know your name and, and remember you from the time when you were in the truck series with Red Horse and Turner and obviously dabbled in the Xfinity series as well. But I think I have my timelines correct. You started in the Porsche Carrera Cup and won championships before you made the full-time switch over here in the U.S. to NASCAR. So I guess going off of that timeline, how did you get involved specifically in that discipline? And then when was the move made to come over here in that decision-making process? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had my career going on in Brazil, and I got to the point in 2008 was my first. I raced before Porsche Cup. I raced a couple other series, Renault series, uh, uh, and other different cars, uh, local local series. I'll call I'll call that. Uh, and then the Renault series were a national championship. Then I moved to Porsche Cup uh, in 2008. Won my my uh, first championship of my first year. Uh, in 2009, went back to back championships, and then. At that point, I knew I needed to make a decision because first, I was 20-something years old. I was the youngest. I wasn't 17, 18 like today. You see the guys moving up to trucks. Uh, and then I knew I needed to do something or, or stay in Brazil and go to you know keep racing there or try something different. NASCAR was always in my radar, always. I was being a fan, always watched. And then I started digging out and and find contacts for the guys who were broadcasting the races back then. Uh, and I found two Brazilians that I became friends with. Call it. They knew a guy uh, from TRD that was Lair Tizada. He was running TRD at the time. And put me in contact with him. I, I flew from Brazil, met him, and I said, I want to I race in NASCAR. So we start digging and trying to plan stuff out. And that's how, how the thing started. So 2010 was, I did a few races in Canaan, trying to learn as much as I could. Did also the, the approval for truck series, a few races, half a mile, mile, mile and a half, to get approved for Daytona in 2011. And it, it was a tough, it was a tough move, to be honest, you know, because I went completely out of my comfort zone, the GT3 cars, uh, and, uh, expose myself to something completely new that I didn't know that it could it could be right or I could do well, you know. And again, I always say that NASCAR is a completely different beast uh, because a year is is nothing. You know what I mean? You see you see today, I, I, I see myself back in 2011 and 2012 struggling, you know, uh, to figure out what I need to do to be faster. And then finally, uh, at the beginning of 13, it was the first year that I said, okay, I know the racetrack, I know the, I know the trucks, I know what I need to do, I, need, I know the information I need to get back, and we had the best year uh, we, we could. I, I think I had five consecutive top fives. I was the pole in Pocono, finished second to Ryan Blaney. Uh, you know, I, we had the best year. I was 15 points until the, the end. A truck series back then, it was tough. You see the grid. It was it was Blaney, it was uh, Bubba, it yeah. was uh, uh, Kyle Larson racing, Chase Adams race some races. So it was it was a tough grid, you know. See a lot of names moved to Cup today, uh, Ty Dillon, Austin Dillon. Yep. Uh, so so it it was tough, and then I felt I felt pretty good in thirteen. And unfortunately, at the end of thirteen, uh, sponsorship went went uh, uh, apart, and then uh, it was. It was a uh, one one transition year in fourteen for me racing a uh, sports car overseas two races one race only I had and then back to Porsches again so uh, yeah I had my my GT3 career before coming to NASCAR and it was my choice 
to to you know be be in this position today and pay dividends. To be honest, you know, to meet people like Brent, uh, a few uh, in NASCAR, I met them. They sponsored me in Chicago in '13, and then uh, to go back to race in Brazil, my home country, win championships, and then now they present the opportunity for me to be back in NASCAR. Something that I want to do so badly. It's it's awesome. So you mentioned, I think that uh, you said NASCAR races were starting to broadcast in Brazil around 2010, which is when you also left. So, but you were a fan of it before you obviously made that move, had that meeting with Toyota. What about NASCAR and American stock car racing caught your attention and grabbed your eye? Uh, the, 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 the fan base you see on TV, the amount of sponsorship, that is something I always love. I see the fire suits, I see the cars, you see a big sponsor on the door. So uh, the, 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 the drivers and, uh, and team owners are proud of the brands they're representing, you know, and it's something I always love. You know, I have a business background as well. Uh, I'm a driver, but I also have a business background uh, and I know how tough it is to, to, to get sponsored, you know, for, for you, for us to race and, and do this every weekend. So, um, the, the racing format, the, the, you know, I think everything is, is the style of racing that, that I love, uh, the most and, um, watching these races on, on TV. And as a kid, I said, you know, I, I want to do that someday. And, uh, I quite often, I, I remember, especially uh, the national anthem, uh, before a race that I'm, I'm looking up and see the flyover. And then you realize, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here right, right now. Let me, let me enjoy every, every second of it. Yeah. So you mentioned those, those times and years you had struggles, highs, lows, and it took you a little bit to get in a rhythm, like we were talking about earlier in our yeah. chat, that you finally were confident going to these racetracks. And I think, you know, you got that pull at Daytona to kick off the year, had a string of top five finishes, I believe. Um, and there was also a time where you had a Brazilian as your teammate, Nelson PK Jr., who also started next year on the front row at Daytona, which is just a crazy, weird circumstance that was awesome. What about your time in NASCAR, whether it was with Turner, Red Horse, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad? What stands out to you for your full-time tenure in NASCAR? Uh, that's I mean, a great question. Uh, you know, it, it was tough in the beginning. Tough. The learning process is tough. You know, I didn't know the language as well as I know today. Uh, I was a you call alien because I was an American. You know, I had a had a, a work visa, had to go back and forth. So um, I had to learn a lot of things. I had to learn the car. Had to learn to talk to the team. Had to learn the culture, uh, and had to perform because you know if you're performing at the racetrack, everything comes with it, right? Everything is, is sweeter. You wake up on Monday, you had a great run, but as the learning process, it took longer. And that's why I always say one, one to two years in NASCAR is, is nothing because overseas we look races. You know, you look how many races did you race? Three races? You should be good now. You know, no, NASCAR, no. How many years did you race? You right. know what I mean? You need one, two years to learn. And you see today also uh, guys in, in any series, you know, the first or second year, it's okay. You see Sam, Sam Mayer, you know, a great racer, fast everywhere he raced. And it took, I think, two years for him to win an Xfinity race. You know, I was so happy for him. And I know how much work he put in. Uh, and it takes time, you know. And you, you, you get me as a guy who never drove these cars, you know, for the first time was, was put in in, in 2010 in a Canadian car and then jumped to a truck series. Uh, and uh, I had to learn everything. So it was, I would say that the first few years were pretty tough, but 2013 uh, brought the feeling that I could do this. You know, I, I could be competitive and I, I could be a contender to, to win races. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't win a race and that's something that is uh, still with me today. It, at the end of the day, it won't change my life. You know what I mean? If I don't win, I have a shot this weekend. I may have mm -hmm. shots in the future. Uh, I know, you know, I always say we win a race on Saturday and Sunday and uh, Sunday night, you need to take the trash out and, and keep your life going, <laughs> you know, but I would love to because I put a lot of effort on this 
and I, I uh, it'll be it'll be amazing for me to conquer that that win and uh, and and um, keep that in my my history. But I will tell you that I enjoy my NASCAR career. Okay, I enjoy racing NASCAR, uh, and uh, I hope I hope I have more 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 shots to to keep doing it. Yeah, hopefully you do next year. And I know this is obviously the third and final one, but going back a couple of years to, I guess, still kind of during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, you got the call to run the Daytona road course in 2021. At that point, it had been almost a full decade since you raced in NASCAR trucks or Xfinity. What is going through your head at that moment? Are you thinking, Oh man, I forgot how to do this. Might as well try it. <laughs> we went, you, you know, we, I said, we, me, GRM, we spent so many hours talking about it because um, the transition was huge, was no practice, no qualify. I didn't know Daytona and they didn't let me run you even in a, in a street car, a lap on, uh, as a passenger. So I went to the race as a, you know, didn't know the track, haven't, haven't been to Daytona in so many years eight to nine years without driving a community car. So everything was new. And uh, uh, I had, I have this as a driver. I adapt uh, quite a faster at things. Uh, so I, I had this, you know, uh, the, the first instinct was to not make mistakes and make sure I was, I was bringing my speed up. And it, it was, it was cool to see the outcome, to be honest. I had a lot of uh, resilience. Uh, watching the race and supporting me as, as back in NASCAR and to finish in the, in seven, I think I finished. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a great day. And, 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 uh, I knew, I knew back then that I, I wasn't even close, uh, to, to my best performance yet. So that brought a lot of uh, confidence, uh, to me that, that I could do better. And, and we had great, uh, I think we got the best year in 2021, you know, uh, running in Coda in the top five had a mm-hmm. had a gearbox problem and then uh, was fourth in Mid Ohio. Same thing, without knowing the racetrack, starting twenty something, worked my way up to the white flag where I was fourth until I got wrecked. So um, I think we had three great, great runs that year, and um, I, you know, it is what it is. But you know how those races end sometimes. Yeah, yeah, we do. Especially at Indy, too, this weekend. I know that they've changed the restart zone, but you know it all too well. Last year, specifically, uh, those races can get pretty rowdy and pretty rambunctious. Obviously, you're going to be there with the Xfinity Series. The Cup Series is going to be there, too. So much international flair, Miguel. You got Kamui Kobayashi from Japan, SVG from New Zealand, Brody Kostecki from Australia, Jensen Button from Great Britain, who am I missing? I'm missing somebody. Mike Rockefeller from Germany, not to mention Suarez from Mexico, everybody from the U.S., and you from Brazil. What do you make of this international influx of world-class drivers that are not just coming to the Xfinity Series, but now the Cup Series with the next-gen car as well? Uh, I think they're starting to see, you know, the, 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 what NASCAR is, you know, through, throughout the years as the coverage and uh, the show. You know, NASCAR is a great series. is a great uh, is a great show. is great racing, and they're starting to see it as an option. You see Kimi Raikkonen uh, coming from F1 and enjoying driving the NASCAR, and you didn't see this before. You didn't see drivers uh, coming from F1 that want to drive here, and now you will see more and more and more. So I I see this is a very positive move. You know, you bring guys from different back- backgrounds. Uh, to to drive in the Xfinity Cup or, or truck uh, that brings um, a different flavor uh, to to the series, you know, and I think it's, it's great for for everyone. So uh, I hope they they keep coming, and uh, I'm I'm glad to to you know that I did that uh, uh, 2023, 13 years ago. You were you ahead know? of the curve. I, I was ahead of the curve, so I saw back then that this is, is amazing, and I want to yeah. be part of this. So now I see, you see now guys uh, of different series that want to come and, and drive here so badly. I know you're pretty busy going back and forth to South America, Central America, Europe, and obviously racing here. Does the international influx and seeing what the next-gen car is capable of, I know you mentioned that it's somewhat similar to the GT3 car, does that give you the itch to maybe want to run a cup car in the next gen, see how you could do? I would love to run a cup car, and uh, I would love to 
Pasta Cup car to tell you exactly, you know, how, how close it is. And I know looking, you know, the, the, the races and the car at the racetrack, you see a lot of um, similar things for the GT3 cars. Uh, you see even in, in Chicago street course, you know, how, how, how it, it breaks deeper than, than the Xfinity car and, and, uh, and it's lower. So it doesn't have that weight transfer that, that we have uh, in the Xfinity car. So um, I would love to drive those cars and, and at some point and, and eventually if I could do a race. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad where I am. You know, I'm glad for the opportunities that are presented to me and, and glad to be to be doing this last thing for me expectations for the weekend you got a pair of 13th place finishes why don't you say we go out with a bang what's realistic for you this weekend is it top 10 top five you think a win could be in the cards obviously sam won the last road course so you guys know you'll have really good equipment under you yeah uh, um my goal is to be in the top 10 qualify that's my first goal and race i want to be in the top five at the end of the race when uh, comes, you know, a lot of things need to be put together uh, to, to, to be a winner. Uh, those restarts at the end are crazy. And, you know, guys coming from Portland, guy coming from third, fourth, won the race. You know what I mean? Uh, so um, I just want to be in position to win the race. That's the goal. So uh, my, my, my top 10 goal is something that I, I, uh, I'm working so hard to it uh, that I need to push the limit a little bit more but still be safe to not make a mistake, lock a tire and, and not, not run a lap and then be out of, you know, uh, not qualify the car. So I want to be in the top 10 and then uh, make sure I'm, I'm in position in the top five uh, towards the, the end of the race. So we, we have a shot at it. Well, we'll be watching. We wish you the best, my friend. I appreciate you giving me so much time. I know it's a, a busy week and a busy time of year for you. I didn't even get to like half the stuff I wanted to about, your diabetes activism, university courses, your business background, like you mentioned. So we'll have to table that and save that for another day. But best of luck at Indianapolis, Miguel. We will be watching and hopefully we'll be talking to you soon after maybe a win or maybe a top five. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And we are back. Thank you so much to Miguel and thank you to Mike Campbell for helping coordinate that conversation on somewhat short notice. Uh, Not a lot of people return to my emails this week, but it must be one of those weeks. It's a short week coming off of Michigan, heading into Indy. But nonetheless, Mike, Miguel, appreciate you fellas very, very much. And what an interesting guy Miguel is. I'll for sure be watching and rooting for him to have a good run on Saturday and hopefully bring home a trophy to Mooresville and maybe bring it home for Brazil too. By the way, Miguel and I, we talked a little bit more about Gaucho Barbecue when we hung up there, or stopped recording, I should say. Now, Texas here in the States, that's obviously known for barbecue as well, but it might as well be known for dominating races right now, okay? Because Chris Busher is absolutely whooping them, and I mean doing it with ease. He has been on another level these past couple weeks. Wins the race at Richmond, obviously his third career win at that time, first for RFK of the season. Backs it up the very next week and beats out Martin Truex Jr., by far the most dominant car on Sunday and Monday, and wins the Firekeepers Casino 400 at Michigan International Speedway. Second win in a row, fourth win of his career, RFK on the rise. I think that they are much more than on the rise. They are here. They have arrived, and the conversation this week has been, are they the best Ford team? Kind of hard to argue anything else right now, isn't it? Team Penske, Stuart Haas Racing, they don't hold a candle to RFK right now. And whether you want to say strength in numbers of four teams at SHR versus three at Penske, the two of RFK, of Busher and Keselowski, they run around each other more than any other race team that I can think of off the top of my head. And again, it's a numbers thing because it's easier to run two cars close to each other than it is three or four or whatever. But this team is just steadily improving, and it's really, really interesting and a cool storyline to follow, to be honest. I'm sure Brad Keselowski wanted nothing more than for it to be the sixth car in victory lane at his home track on a Monday after rain forced the postponement of the remaining 125 laps. But nevertheless, he's got to be pretty stoked because... They are hitting their stride when it counts at the right time. 
ahead of the playoffs. I don't think it's crazy to say that Chris Buescher, maybe even Brad, they could be sneaky championship four picks. I know, I know, we may be putting the cart before the horse, but tell me I'm wrong. I mean, they are looking really, really good right now, and the best may be yet to come. So Chris Buescher already pulled a Kevin Harvick winning back-to-back races at Michigan and Richmond. Uh, conversely, I should say, Richmond then Michigan. We'll see if he can make it a three-peat this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. And I'm going to tell you again, he's got a legit shot. He has eight straight top ten finishes on road courses. Eight straight dating back a couple years, including all the road courses that we've raced on this year. So... Having Chris Buescher in your fantasy lineup, I'm doing it. Not a bad call. Having him as a race winner, not a bad call either considering what he's done the past couple weeks. But this race has me really, really excited for a couple reasons mostly. First and foremost, it's because of the international flair. You got SVG coming back for round two. Brody Kostecki, who's leading the Supercars point standings over SVG right now. He's making his cup debut for RCR and apparently had also been doing some simulator work with the next-gen car for RCR in the past couple years. You have Kamui Kobayashi from Japan, who also apparently was lightning quick in the test that he had with 2311 Racing at VIR compared to the typical, quote-unquote, normal cup driver's times. You got Jensen Button coming back, I think his third or fourth start in his Cup Series career for Rick Ware Racing. And Mike Rockenfeller, who's filling in for Noah Gregson, who at the time of this recording has asked for his release and subsequently been granted that by Legacy Motor Club. So Noah Gregson, obviously, he got suspended by NASCAR and by Legacy uh, during the race weekend at Michigan last week for liking an insensitive meme on Instagram. Bottom line is, Noah's a great dude. He messed up, and I think he would be the first one to admit that. He did admit that. I think that this, hopefully for him, will be a blip on the radar, and he'll come back stronger for it, whether that's in the Cup, Xfinity, or Truck Series. Unfortunately, these things happen in 2023. He has some maturing to do. He will hopefully do that, be reinstated by NASCAR, and will be on the road to bigger and better things as it pertains to him and his NASCAR career. But that's an aside, which means that Mike Rockenfeller will fill in on the 42 car. So you got New Zealand, Australia, Japan, Germany, Great Britain. We talked about it with Miguel. Brazil in the Xfinity Series. Mexico with Daniel Suarez in the Cup Series. And the U.S. This really may be the most eclectic international group of drivers that are assembling at one racetrack for a race weekend ever in NASCAR history. It, it really might be. Let's just get Ron Fellows on the scene so we can get Canada into the mix. I mean, it is awesome to see what's going on and I understand that a lot of people listening to this or watching the race they're not gonna watch for Kamui or SVG or Brody or Mike whatever I get that and I'm not watching for them either because I work in the sport my point is it's different it's cool and if these guys can do a tenth of what SVG did to him in Chicago we're gonna be in for a whale of a show folks we really are and here's the thing too SVG, he's in a competitive car that can win because, duh, he did. Kostecki, he's in a competitive car that can win because RCR won twice on road courses last year. Kamui, he's in a competitive car that could win because 2311 and Tyler Reddick, they have won a race earlier this year on road courses. Now, Mike Rockefeller can't say the same with him just because he's with Legacy Motor Club, but he ran the Garage 56 car with Jimmy Johnson, his team owner for the weekend. So he knows what this next-gen car is like on road courses, right? And he's obviously run two cup races before. And Jensen Button, even though he's not in great equipment either, he's raced on this road course before back in his Formula One days. So there are so many storylines to follow when it comes to this weekend, and it's got me really, really excited. The other one is the road course itself. Now, we've heard a lot of chatter over the last couple months that this will be the last race, at least for the foreseeable future, on the Indy Road Course. Going to go back to the Oval next year for the 30th anniversary of the Brickyard 400 and kind of revive and bring back that race and that quote-unquote major. Uh, NASCAR's doing a tire test with Goodyear after the racing weekend at Indy, so all signs point to that happening. I am a fan of that move. 
But I will say I'm also a fan of all these international people coming in. And if you put the race on the oval, which, again, I'm fine with, I'm cool with, I'm in favor of that move, you will not have what's happening this weekend happen again here at Indy. May happen in Montreal if NASCAR chooses to go there. May happen in Chicago. May happen at Coda, Sonoma, Watkins Glen. Take your pick of a road course. But I think that we need to go into this weekend understanding and and looking at this as the last race on the Indy road course for a long time, maybe ever. Now, they moved the restart zone back, so hopefully turn one and the chaos and calamity that ensued last year will not be as crazy and there won't be as much tomfoolery. But I'm going into this race largely optimistic. I think that the international drivers are going to do well. I don't know if one of them will win. I think you're still probably going to see a favorite, whether that's Truex, Larson, Elliott, et cetera, et cetera, win the race, SVG probably. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just excited for the race weekend. I wish I was going out there for it. I, I debated going, but flight prices were a little bit too pricey for me to kind of pull the trigger. Jealous for all my friends and, and fam that's going out there. Have a great time. Have some St. Elmo steak for me. And uh, I'll just live vicariously through you on social media, I guess. And that will wrap things up for episode 196 of Victory Lane 2.0. If you guys like what you heard here today, please do me a favor. Leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, including that little green app. We should be available there for your consumption. And if we're not, please drop me a line and I will try to rectify that issue for you. Next week, we got another guest from the world of NASCAR coming on. I do not have it confirmed, but I've been in the works and in talks with the team of getting this person on. And let's just say that they may have a prominent role this weekend and may have already been to victory lane this season in the Cup Series. I'll let you marinate on that. Until next week, hope you enjoy the racing action at Indy, and we will catch you on the flip side, party people. Enjoy. Enjoy.